Okay, welcome back to Cast Me to Hell with me, Seb. And with me, Robbie. And uh, this week, we have a special guest with us uh, from Parable Games. It's Charlie, uh, I don't know your last name, so... <laughs> Menzies. Menzies. Uh, I yes. thought it was pronounced Menzies uh, or Menzies, <laughs> I wasn't sure. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so Charlie's joining us from uh, Parable Games to talk about... Um, shiver gothic and the kickstarter that's currently running um until the 31st i believe um so before we kind of get into the questions charlie um just tell us a bit about um, shiver gothic and the kickstarter sure thing yeah no um so i hello i'm charlie menzies i'm the uh, lead designer uh, for shiver gothic um it's our first uh, major expansion um for the shiver um, TTRPG, um, so kind of tabletop role-playing game, uh, which allows you to play kind of any horror movie um, that you want on your tabletop. And Shiver Gothic is our first expansion to that game, um, which has a unique setting, which is our love letter to all things Gothic horror, um, from ranging from like Edgar Allan Poe um, all the way over to kind of Dracula and the, all the universal monsters and all of that kind of goodness. Um, so one of the things we're kind of aiming to do with this is allow you to play as monsters um, and kind of embody a longer format story. Um, so think of it more like um, kind of kind of getting into Shiver Gothic is like watching a really high-end and playing a really high-end horror TV series, um, whilst kind of what we focused on before is like playing a, a fun kind of feature kind of B-movie at your tabletop. So that's kind of uh, where Shiver Gothic um, is at, and it's currently live on Kickstarter right now until the 31st as you mentioned yeah we'll put a link in the bio so people can check it out um and i believe it it, it got funded in 24 hours didn't it um and it's it's it wow, got funded it in two. Um, <laughs> two. Oh, wow oh wow awesome <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, yeah we um we, we we funded in two hours and we were all kind of a little bit jaws on the floor um kind of with it it was quite quite something so so yeah no the support's been absolutely incredible um and yeah we've kind of have a growing kind of community now that's like emerging which is amazing so kind of more players the better we want more people playing horror so so come on and come on and join in is what i would say i mean I, i'm pleased to get you guys on because i i mean i remember when shiver first was announced um we spoke with you guys about potentially playing a test game or something like that but i think it was just kind of in the midst of covid so everything got you know put back into lockdown etc and we couldn't play anything um so it's good yeah. that we've been able I, to do i do remember you, you you asked saying oh we've got to get everyone together to have a go at this game and we were like <laughs> oh awesome um i feel like it wasn't was that not just before i, I don't know when did your kickstarter what what kind what date was your kickstarter that actually began do you know was that a long Ooh, time so, ago so the first <laughs> kickstarter was Oh, that was um so it had been October 2020 because we released around um Halloween oh. um and kind of funded over that period um and then kind of finished up elements with the game and started to look at shipping and then COVID um along with the kind of global shipping crisis uh, meant that everything slowed down uh, to a certain degree but we've managed to get everything um kind of all the books from the previous Kickstarter have been kind of sent out they're on the way they're, they're arriving with people we're seeing people playing the game now um just as we've launched um Shiver Gothic which has been which has been lovely so we're really pleased that it, we've managed to kind of stick to that timeline despite 
everything that's yeah. going on <laughs> yeah um yeah so yeah we never got the opportunity no, to do it we we gathered people we got loads of people interested we were going to get them all together and then the world kind of changed a bit <laughs> yeah and I, i'm i mean i'm a massive fan of tabletop rpgs i've been playing uh dnd on and off for maybe seven years or so so when i first heard about shiver i was like fuck yeah put me in for that <laughs> and then things happened and i missed it so luckily i've been able to actually back the project this time um and i've got in to get the um to get the the core book and the um is it the 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 haunted library the the, uh, the cursed library, the cursed um, library. library. yes yeah, so that was the um yeah, the, f- the first expansion book we did, that kind of just, that one covers, like, stories from every, like, subgenre and time period you can kind of think of to show, like, the scope of the system. Yeah. So, yeah, you can have a kind of, you'll be rollicking around in the Wild West one minute and then having fun on a spaceship the next, so... <laughs> Awesome. So, yeah, that's that's kind of the cursed library's vibe. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna try and rope you and yeah, and I was gonna say, through, no, that sounds awesome. Well, we cannot wait. Yeah. I mean, we obviously being a horror podcast, we are obviously all things horror we yeah. are into, but uh, building that imagination, me and you have both been quite like creative storytellers for yeah, quite, yeah. you know, I used to do screenwriting and things like that. So We've always loved that kind of world. So the idea we could build our own, this kind of through shiver is a fantastic concept. Yeah, it's awesome. Mm. Um, so, um, F- fun- oh. funnily enough, that's my... Also, I was going to say, um, you mentioned screen. Funnily enough, that's my my background oh, really? um oh, really? is is um so i trained in film and t- i trained in film and tv before and screenwriting was my dissertation pathway oh, so then awesome. i kind of went out wrote scripts and stuff and, and worked in the film and tv industry for a bit um oh, and then amazing. kind of came up with this in my spare time and now it's spiral spiral <laughs> yeah put it that way um, yeah well, that's actually quite a good leeway into our next question isn't it um which is you know um kind of what can I mean, telling us about um, kind of shiver. Uh, no, I read the wrong one. <laughs> Shows how professional I am. Um, what can you, you know? What can you tell us about the formation of uh, Powerball Games, and where did the idea come from? And then, what made you go? I want to take this from an idea to launching it as an actual, you know, company or as a as an actual game. Yeah, it's a big leap. <laughs> oh, so it. It started uh, many years ago, um, back down in, in London town when I was working in a, uh, a job in a post-production house in a basement, um, which um, if any of you have played the starter adventure um, where it's a zo- kind of fighting zombies in yeah. a corporate hellhole, you'll know where that one came from. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, I had, um, I'd won a writing competition, um, which had given me like an Amazon voucher that I used to buy um, like the free standard D&D books. Um, So I played it a bit at uni and I wanted to get my friends kind of into it, but we were all after university spread to the four winds. So I kind of got them all together and started kind of being like their regular DM. And like, we played that for a while and I was like dropping kind of down to some thoughts and ideas about kind of like role-playing games. Cause um, there were some frustrations that I was kind of having with um, like kind of my friends struggling with the rules. Some of my friends are um, uh, dyslexic or dysnumerate. And I was finding the, the mechanical crunch elements of certain systems because we dipped into Call of Cthulhu as well um, was 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 proving quite difficult. Um, and I had an idea of being, what if I made this more um, symbolic and kind of made it more about um, kind of kind of cinema-like, like so like playing a film because 
every time we sat down to play a game, we were really all aiming to try and to kind of create these cinematic moments on a tabletop. And sometimes we found like the numbers and, and some of the crunch of the system could get in the way of that. Yeah. Um, so it kind of it kind of but was born out of I wanted to make a game that was more accessible um, and also kind of brought in my love of cinema and like the way I um, kind of was trained as a screenwriter to kind of make games feel more cinematic. Um, so I was it started off as I was just making this as a game to keep my friends interested in role playing games <laughs> um, who were all screenwriters as well. Um, it's kind of in their own right and kind of working in industry. Um, just just to kind of have fun and as a bit of an experiment. And then when I went back up um, to my brother, uh, Barney, he runs a friendly local gaming store. Um, and I just kind of brought, had my notebook with me and I was like, I've been doing this. Like, what do you think of this? Because um, he kind of interfaces with so many games, like all the time, um, kind, of, kind of running his business. And he read through it and he just said, turned around to me and said, let's make it. And I was like, what? Excuse me. And he was like, yeah, no, he's, he's, he's just like, he said, this, this has got really, really solid legs. I think we should make it. Um, and that was kind of where the journey started. And then we, I developed it more. I kind of set Barney digital, uh, digital elements of it. Um, I eventually got a job actually back in the Midlands. Um, so it brought us kind of physically closer. So then we started um, really play testing the game hard, like every week. So we have our, our regular diehard group kind of who kind of testing it every week. But then we were kind of pulling in uh, different people from all over. And that's how we met Ben, um, our artist. Yeah. Um, the kind of final piece of the puzzle. He came to a play test because he was like me, like a big D&D TTRPG nut. Loved the game. And whilst we were playing, um, he doodled his character and some elements that were going on in the game. And we saw those and they were amazing. And we had a chat after the game. Um, then he sent us some more art samples and that was kind of like the original core trio that kind of formed parable was born kind of in that moment was that and that's kind of when the company was born and things really took off because then ben uh, became attached as the artist so that's kind of how all three of us kind of awesome. came together as a trio and now we have other team members as well like chris for example our new artist who's come on for gothic um yeah. so the kind of teams now growing but that's kind of its its origin story that's awesome man um yeah no i i love that i mean because you're a big D D player yeah i'm a, well, I you played one session nervous. haven't you <laughs> on a, on a, on a stag I, I played some rpg i did uh, yeah i did on a stag dude i really enjoyed it, it but like as a as someone coming new into it when you look at all of the manuals and you look at all of the the gameplay and you look at all the, the, the numerals that are needed and the, the knowledge that's needed. I know why a lot of people get scared off by it because once they give it a chance, it's, it's amazing, but it's easy to get scared. So I, I understand, and especially talking about the dyslexic and that kind of, uh, I, I understand that that's, it's really nice to hear that you've kind of fought from it for a slightly different perspective, maybe a little bit easier for someone to kind of get into your game than maybe the classic kind of D&D kind of style, which is what a lot of people think. You hear RPG, you think... Yeah. You think D&D, don't you? <laughs> and I think, I mean, D&D specifically is becoming so much more kind of popular mainstream these days. Yeah. You know, if you're like Stranger Things was including D&D &D and you got people who never played D&D &D wanting to, to play and 
kind of all these celebrities like Vin Diesel and like Joe Magnanelio and all of these people <laughs> coming out as lifelong D&D fans. Yeah, yeah More yeah. people are wanting to play it. So having something which is accessible is kind of, you know, it's amazing because, yeah, I've been, I mean, I've been playing D&D on and off for seven years, whatever. And there's still rules that I get confused on. I still have to ask our, you know, our resident rules lawyer, how do I do this? <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. it's one of those things where it, there's a lot to get your head around. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so uh, let's go on to our next uh, question. So uh, tabletop RPGs are, are quite well known for their kind of expansive rules. This is linking in again yeah. quite well. Um, An intricate system. How did you go about creating the game system and making sure it was balanced? Ooh interesting in terms of balance so in terms of kind of like where i started was thinking about what the players are kind of representing as characters so hulking back to DD again with um yeah. D, it's it's a it's a power fantasy you're becoming more and more powerful you're becoming heroes whilst in a horror story the genre rules are different from fantasy it's not a power fantasy it's a survival fantasy it yeah. is a, a element of um, you are lucky if you make it to the end credit roll, um, and that and and you should feel good about that. So, in in terms of that, that was why we kind of decided to make um, HP, for example, um, equal across everyone. E- everyone's basically human. Um, so, in terms of their squishiness, they're about the same. <laughs> yeah. Um, is it and it, and it's your skills and abilities that you have as characters, um, and how you use them, and how you use them, your own ingenuity that will help you survive the night. Um, in terms of um, the dice and balance in that way, um, it's kind of the, the six-sided die um, kind of with each kind of core skill represented by a symbol um, opens up uh, the room for not having a binary success or fail system. So one of the things that we kind of discussed a lot is that there is this idea, what I, what I, I termed reading the knuckle bones. So... Say the, the 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 classic example is the is the one that I kind of put in the main core book because it's the one that is the plague of every DM everywhere. The players come across come across a door and they want to open it and they think it's locked. So what do they do? So most people try and kick the door in. So for that, you'd be wanting to roll grit. Um, so say somebody rolls their grit pool, um, but they don't get any grit. Um, and say they roll a bunch of strange, for example. So something really bad is going to happen. So maybe they stub their toe and they take some damage because I'm reading the symbols on the dice in a different way. My favorite one is maybe they roll, they kind of roll no grit, but they roll smarts and they realize actually it's a pull door and they're just kick- <laughs> and, they're, and they're just kicking against it. They're just kicking the wrong way. Um, it's, and, and, and that's the thing of that. Um, rolls for us, um, they should always have tension um, and they should always move the story forwards. Um, so in terms of balance, that's um, one of the things that we kind of encouraged. I mean, there's obviously mathematical balance there as well, which is where the talent die comes in, which we tested quite heavily in terms of how that skewed success and failure. Um, but in terms of the actual feel of the game and how the dice are kind of interpreted, it's something that we encouraged that it's not about a binary success and failure. It's about moving the story forwards with moments for those characters whether they be positive or negative depending what's there um it still moves the game the story (laughs) forward in a direction 
rather than people just rolling again and again and again and again to try and get past the door. Yeah, and I, and I guess, like you said, it moves it from being from dice rolls being something that you succeed or you fail into potentially moments of comedy, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. You know, you kick a door and then you realise it's poor, so they can just pull it open. So, yeah, I yeah. think it's a really yeah. interesting way of doing just, it. Just thinking, so what, what made you go for a custom dice compared to, say, the classic, the usual D20 kind of? So, so for me... Um, personally, with D20, you can kind of scale success numerically, um, which I feel ha- ha- has its advantages in terms of the way that it kind of breaks things up because there's obviously kind of more scale um, there. But for me, there's there's kind of a freeing element by making the dice symbolic and making them custom is that unlike numbers, the symbols on them can help tell a story. So they're not a... And they're not an obstacle in terms of saying it is a success or a failure or kind of a middling success that you have to interpret based on just a number. These symbols themselves and their association tell a story. Um, so the way that we see it is that for players and for directors, the people running the game, it's a story aid. Um, so so that, that, was, that was the decision behind it um, in terms of kind of deciding to go with custom dice. I mean, custom dice were that was like the foundation stone. Like it was the, it yeah. was the thing I would not budge on. I was like, this is a, <laughs> a numbers light system for, for many reasons. Um, but the core kind of element of the dice is that every time you roll it, that kind of dice pool, what shows up kind of in your tray or, or kind of on a digital dice roller tells a story. Yeah. Um, so that, that was, that's what was the main inspiration behind it. And I, I, I quite liked because when I first checked Shiver out and it said about, um, you know, getting these, the custom dice, I was thinking that's cool. But like, if I can't get the physical dice, because, you know, I, I like to, I like to rattle the bones. Like if I haven't <laughs> got that, am I going to be able to have to, you know, adapt it using the dice I've got, but then obviously you've got the, the kind of free online digital dice roller which kind of does it all for you almost I, I went on it earlier at work i just put some stats in and had a little roll and it is it's it's kind of a really and it's in a, it's a really easily accessible thing um and i mean kind of in general i mean so this question actually came to me because i'm playing elden ring at the moment um seb's not <laughs> m- much of a massive gamer um I, well you love games but you don't i love games i'm a teacher i don't teacher. have time to do fucking anything <laughs> yeah so, you know <laughs> um and i don't know about you charlie but you know i'm massive on video games um and i've been playing elden ring uh, and i've played a lot of the dark souls games and they're known for their difficulty and there's a there's a big debate going on at the moment about adding an easy mode and adding uh, accessibility and stuff like that and i guess it kind of goes back to our earlier question of you know how accessible do you feel the game is for people who maybe have never tried a tabletop RPG or people who don't have as much experience? I say, I say massively. So I, I really kind of where we're pitching shiver is if you want to try a tabletop RPG and some of the kind of larger market leads at the minute feel a bit intimidating, like call of Cthulhu's D 100, like doesn't kind of feel, feel like your thing or, or, or D 20 and, and like just the sheer mass of kind of D and D content out there is, which is wonderful. Just is a, is a bit too much for you. Um, Shiver, like from the way that we designed and tested it, um, we kind of got character creation down to 10, 15 minutes. Um, like yeah. you can have a character, you can blitz through, have a character ready to roll. That's kind of unique, has skill, um, has all a variety of abilities and feels 
kind of personalized and has a certain flavor to them. Um, so I think that's something in particular for making a character and playing the game. We've really kind of crafted the game to make it as accessible as possible um, and make the rules as accessible as possible. Um, there's, there's not, there's a lot of kind of like ways that you can build your character and there's a huge amount of um, options. Um, but in terms of like the actual kind of core mechanics, um, it's kind of on your, on your character sheet, um, assemble the number of dice uh, that are there in the numbers, roll them and whatever pool you're rolling, you're looking for that symbol. Um, and, and that's it. It's, 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 yeah, that's, and, and then as if you get more success, if you get more symbols, you get more successes, you do better. Um, yeah. so, so yeah, I, I would, I would really say we're, we're looking at people who are new to the RPG market because we know that there, there are a lot of people kind of coming in now uh, who, who are interested, but are unsure, uh, especially with kind of games that are more numerically heavy. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I mean, and just to kind of um, just to comment on the kind of character creation, um, I, I was going through your YouTube earlier, which I think is just Shiver RPG, if people want to check it out. Um, and there's a lot of useful um, stuff on there, kind of short videos, I think narrated by yourself. <laughs> and as, yes, those are my dulcet tones. That's why, you I them, yeah. nice. That's why I recognize the tones so much. Um, and there is a useful one about character creation. And it says, you know, you just pick your, your archetype, which is kind of your class. Um, and then I think you allocate your skills or you pick your background and then you just do your skill tree. Um, and the thing that, yeah. I, yeah. Sorry for you. First. Yeah. I was, I was going to say, yeah, no, um, the, the way that we break it down is that um, you pick your archetype, um, which is kind of like the archetypal characters that you'd find in any horror story. Um, so we've got, or oh, let's see how quickly I can get through them. Warrior, maverick, scholar, socialite, fool, <laughs> um, uh, weird, and survivor. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you pick those. And um, we're quite, in, it's funny you mentioned Elden Ring, actually, because we were quite inspired by video game design in terms of the flow of things. So you pick your character. And then your level basically gives you points that allow you to go up a skill tree like you would in, in Borderlands or any kind of RPG that you tend to find um, kind, of, kind of in the digital sphere. And then from there, you pick your background, um, which could be anything from a grave digger to a lawyer. Um, and um, you get, that gives you an additional ability, but also a unique little quirky flaw yeah. um, that kind of just adds a little bit of spice. And then from there, the final and most, but most important thing is your character picks a fear. Um, and that, and then, and the director always knows what those fears are, so they can use them against you. <laughs> uh, it's always fun, and that's and that's it. So it's always archetype, background, fear um, yeah. is, is the way that we do it. That's the flow. And I love how the archetypes are kind of based on those horror tropes. Um, I've, yeah. I think. Look, I was looking at some of the original artwork for for the first Shiver Kickstarter, um, and there was there was stuff like jocks on there, you know, and then it would. The, the video jumped to them you know kind of a maybe like a middle ages fighting werewolf thing and it was yeah. kind of you know <laughs> it's so many different characters um yeah um uh, to be fair that, that's kind of what was interesting me is because for horror fans and with horror stories in mind uh so what are some of your all-time favorite moments in horror films or it could be horror games you know what what kind of what kind of films and games really inspired like your love of the horror genre okay so let's let, let's let's start with films yeah. okay so i <laughs> yeah. am a 
huge John Carpenter nut. Oh yes, oh, so I love John Carpenter so much. She has such a uniquely just kind of to the point, like kind of very like skins down and lean filmmaking style. I find that just kind of gets the point, gets the scares, um, but also kind of gives you a really good amount of space on character. The thing is probably my all time favorite Amazing. of his, uh, but love the original Halloween, like um, and kind of and the fog is is just a load of fun as well. It's he's just mm-hmm. all, all of his stuff is wonderful. Um, I mean, pretty much any of the creature effects from the thing had a massive um, kind of impact me impact yeah. on me um, <laughs> as a kid. Um, so I think that that definitely stands out as like a favorite on the film front. Um, say so kind of what else from film. Um, kind of in particular, w- ones that stand out as like most scary. Um, I watched Wreck, uh, a Sp- uh, for those in a, a Spanish found footage film yeah, um, yeah, from yeah. kind of the mid 2000s. There, I don't want to spoil it because please, 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 if you've not seen Wreck, go and watch it. But <laughs> the final scene, the final <laughs> oh, yeah. scene in the attic. <laughs> Is one of the most <laughs> nerve shredding things I've oh, witnessed great. as a human being, <laughs> and it just oh, it's so good. Um, especially as well for like from a filming with like the budget as well that they perform it. It's just amazing, yeah. um, and just yeah, no, that just really, it's kind of like really really stuck with me. Um, it's a beautiful scene, isn't it? You know, um, I don't. Yeah. I, I find found footage films very hit and miss, um, but Wreck is just such a such Wreck. A hit. Wreck hit it when it when it was still kind of there. It, it wasn't overused. Years later, it became an overused archetype in yeah. film. We were like, oh, mm. fuck, not another <laughs> found footage film that's just co- copying films like Wreck. Yeah, but Wreck no, that is, it's an amazing choice. Fantastic. <laughs> what about video games? Oh, video games. So. So a shared memory um, for me and Barney. I remember us as kids when the first Bioshock came oh, out. Yes. And when you're going down in the elevator and you get introduced to Rapture and you come across the the splicer with a pram. Oh. And then you kind of, and she disappears <laughs> and you look in the pram and then it's just a gun. Yeah. And then all the spider splices come in. And I think at that point, um, how old too young is all I will say <laughs> um, and and um, yeah no I just remember that like kind of vividly I mean it's still one of my favourite games to this day um, but that one ha- kind of had a massive impact yeah um, I remember thinking Bioshock was such a kind of for me I remember watching trailers for it and seeing the big daddy and thinking it was kind of got to be an action shooter or something like that um, going in blind and then uh, you you know you get into the lift to rapture and then you have the whole speech about you know what is it like no no governments and no god and kind of stuff like that it's just such amazing storytelling and then you do you get into this whole kind of decrepit area amazingly it's, atmospheric isn't it yeah like, so good. suspenseful oh yeah <laughs> yeah the, the story world of rapture and bioshock is for me one of my favorites and how they organically weave that in with all the kind of audio notes and little bits and pieces and the environment. It's just, it's a real masterclass in environmental storytelling um, as well as tension, um, yeah. which I, I think is just wonderful. Um, in terms of other games, um, it's a bit older, like games that just like completely terrified me. Um, Outlast, <laughs> first Outlast, 
really got me. Um, there, there's something about if you get that found footage look well, yeah. like done well, it just because I remember kind of popping up that night vision camera on oh. that game for the yeah. first time. <laughs> there's something about that filter that just makes it feel so kind of realistic and gritty yeah and that really got me i'm a massive fan of the alien franchise as well yeah particularly alien um is is another kind of seminal film uh for me that i watched when i was growing up alien and aliens are just two big cornerstones for me um and alien isolation was it Mm. captured that (laughs) world and terror so well um, and I, I just love it in terms of like the alien feels like it's thinking and hunting and it feels real, um, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, yeah. and I, I would say after aliens, I would say alien isolation is almost the best ex- alien experience you can get. You know, um, mm. it's just so incredible. I think I spoke about it on our favorite horror video games episode. Yeah, I we, believe we did speak I did. about it. Yeah, um, and we I did. I expected Aliens would be a you know um, a favorite because yeah again in one of the one of the videos um, on your YouTube page there is kind of a colonial marine looking character you yeah. know and I I kind of thought yeah that's a uh, <laughs> that's a colonial marine all right. <laughs> um, yeah. I say off that as well, like Dead Space as well on the more splattery end was definitely a big one. I think that may, I remember me and Barney sitting down and playing together. Um, and us loving that as well. Um, definitely more on the grim side, um, but very excited for the remaster that they're doing now. Yeah, as definitely. Well. Especially yeah. after the third one, which was, uh, you know, not handled too well. I heard. Yeah. I, I played the first two, uh, yeah. but I didn't. I missed the third one. Um, but you know, I I've only played the first. I remember how graphic and gory it was. Oh, though, it's it was awesome, awesome but. <laughs> <laughs> um, so kind of, because we spoke about Shiver as a bit of a whole, but kind of speaking specifically about Shiver Gothic, which as you've announced is the first kind of major expansion, what made you guys decide Gothic Horror? And were there any, I know you mentioned briefly, but um, were there any kind of stories or films that influenced this kind of decision? Because I imagine, it, you know, you would have gone through a few different ideas for an expansion. So what made you settle on Gothic Horror? So, so, so there's a few things um, for me, definitely in terms of literature, when I was a teenager, Dracula and Frankenstein had a massive impact on me yes. um, when I was younger and I was obsessed with those books and read them kind of come to cover again and again and again. Um, so, so they, they were de- uh, Gothic is something that I've always kind of wanted to touch on. Um, it actually was, um, it started, Spire Home started out as an experiment um, in that um, one of the things that people were pointing out is that they were like, oh, we could imagine this game being like good for one shots, but not for continuous storytelling. So I was like, right, okay. Um, so kind of I created my own setting and our regular play test group basically met every week and I started carving a bigger story, kind of taking them from level one and kind of start working their way through. And see. so it started as a test to see if long form storytelling could work in Shiver. And it did. And I got really, really into the world building and the city and all the factions and kind of putting it all together. So then when it came to, um, we launched the the Corbett and we were kind of like, what are we going to do next? Um, me and Barney sat down and Barney said, like, well, let's just do, like, you want to do Gothic Horror, let's do, let's do Spire Home. Yeah. Let's, let, let's launch that. Let's, that, let's write that. I mean, you've got half of it written already. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even easier. <laughs> It was good, kind of is what was what you were saying, and it was like, yeah, no, um, so for me, that was kind of part of it, and then 
the kind of revelation in terms of um, the mechanic side of it was uh, we're massive fans of um, Animals League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, yeah. Um, and the I, I love store and um, for me I'm a big fan of like BPRD and Hellboy and I like the idea of characters outside the norm um, outsiders um, kind of monsters coming together uh, to fight against a kind of another threat uh, to fight monsters you need monsters um, yeah. kind of as, a, as an idea um, so we started starting out the archetypes um, uh, kind of in uh, and creating our own monster archetypes um, kind of because I've for all of our me kind of quoting classic literature, we also do really like the Stephen Summers Van Helsing. It's a real guilty pleasure. Um, Hell of a and film, opera- man. We we just want operatic Frankenstein to punch Dracula. Like, yeah. like who doesn't? Want that? Like, it's, it's... I still love. Um, I can't remember the actor's name, but I still love the portrayal of Dracula in that. It got slated. Everybody hated it. But I loved it so much. Um, so speaking of Van Helsing, which is a film we hopefully cover one day. Um, I mean, I've seen a lot of love for it recently. I've yeah. seen a lot of not just podcasts, but a lot of like there's a big cult following behind that awesome. film. But I was due to go and see her on my 13th birthday um, with two of my friends at the time. And I was so hyped to see it. It looked like the best film ever. We had Hugh Jackman just off the back of, um, you know, Wolverine. X-Men um, and um, Kate Beckinsale. So it looked like the best thing ever. And something happened and we couldn't end up going to see it. But when I finally saw it, it was literally, like you said, you know, you when you're young, you kind of think of all of these all of these stories when you love, you know, the universal monsters, you want to see Dracula, you know, fighting Frankenstein and you want to see Van Helsing absolutely slaying, you know, his brides and you want to yeah, see it's, it's the classic, the classic monster, the classic monster verse that they had at universal monsters, you know, outside of the original ones that lived a little bit more serious with the singular character. After that, you know, it was Frankenstein and Wolfman and that's what everyone wanted. They started to do it because everyone was more excited about the team-ups than they were about a singular <laughs> film. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, everyone wanted a bit of cheese on the side of, you know, the horror and things like that. And that's what kind of made it so good. I remember yeah. having it. I had the DVD. You know, I can't say, like, I never, I never fully loved it. And yet... I can't say I didn't like it because I remember having the DVD and I watched it a ton of times. Yeah. So I obviously liked it. I feel like I was always mixed about whether like at that age, I mean, you know, from a young age, I'd already, I'd, I'd watched a lot of horrors. I should not have watched it very young. Like, yeah. I watched like Silence of the Lambs when I was like six. So that was <laughs> possibly a serial killer on the side. But, yeah. um, you know, so to me, I was like, oh, this isn't very like, this isn't horror, horror. And this isn't thing. So I think I was a bit mixed about what is what. Yeah. Thing. <laughs> but no, I, I think over time I've grown as, to yeah, love watch it as a what it is. Man. <laughs> yes. And to be fair, Stephen Summers, The Mummy, which I just think is fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it is that is um a a personal favorite touchstone that me and Barney grew up on. The mummy <laughs> was a awesome. on repeat kind of film in our household. It's just oh, <laughs> it's it's, it's Stephen Summers. He may not be perfect, but <laughs> by God, he is a director who knows how to have fun like that. And, and I think that is yeah. really worth something um, kind of in, in cinema is that it's it's like a good bit of cheese. A good bit of fun does go a long way. Um, yeah. And yeah, he just nails it. Nails it. Absolutely. I mean, even I'm a, I'm a secret. I'm a guilty pleasure of his G.I. Joe. I think it's actually quite good. <laughs> I, don't think I think I've it's seen quite it. a lot of fun. It's not it's not great. Or anything It is full on Stephen Summers cheese, but it's. 
it's a lot of fun. And I, I've seen the, the sequel they did, which was freaking awful in comparison. It was no fun and it was way too, it had Dwayne the Jock, Rock Johnson instead <laughs> of the Jock Watson. <laughs> Jock Johnson. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, uh, I'm a big, I'm a big Steven Summers fan. I think he's uh, underrated for what he is. Yeah. They might not be great, but they're always fun. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Um, I mean, I guess whilst we're talking, because our next question was, um, you know, what has kind of been adapted to make Shiver Gothic stand out? And you speak about, you know, the the ability to play as monsters this time and to be able to do some of that stuff. And I've briefly seen um, some of the pictures of stuff like, you know, a mad scientist and a mm. werewolf and stuff like that. So how do these characters kind of, if you're able to tell us, how do they play a little bit kind of different? So for me, in terms of kind of pitching monsters as uh, characters that the players can actually play as, you place them in quite an interesting and unique position rather than them being the antagonistic figures. It opens them up to be uh, kind of player characters uh, who are inherently probably more sympathetic. But this is the kind of the thing, and this all applies to some of the antagonists within the city of Spire Home, not um, kind of spoiling anything, but for those of you who listen to the It Lives, you'll kind of understand the vibe that we've been going for with a lot of this, is that um, particularly if you actually go back to the kind of the gothic literature of the time, as well as like the uh, Universal Monsters, in particular James Wells, Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, there is a deep resonant tragedy um, yeah. that circulates around monster monsters, a certain level of empathy i feel that resonates within everyone and for me as a kid weird kind of kid growing up i i always felt more for the monsters um than i did for the hero slaying them a lot of the time and it doesn't mean that your antagonists are potentially not doing something bad or quite potentially heinously <laughs> evil but they have their reasons um and this is the thing that everyone kind of who's a villain doesn't really believe they're a villain they they believe they're doing it yeah, for the yeah. right reason for a reason that they believe is is right if someone's being bad for bad for some for bad sake that's just kind of boring it's it's cartoonish yeah and although gothic is heightened it is exaggerated that's something that we were really keen on kind of kind of keeping in there that there is this this tragic element this kind of darker element that there may be some kind of guilt or sadness over kind of what they're having to do, um, but they're doing it for the right reasons um, in, in their eyes, uh, let's say. Um, so for all the kind of the kind of vampiric factions that you'll encounter, as well as um, the strange um, kind of ruling families that exist as well, everyone has a kind of chess piece in the game. Uh, that is the board that Spire Home is. Um, and all believe that they're doing things for the right reasons um, and who you trust, who you end up kind of siding with, who you end up kind of pissing off um, will like has big repercussions um, because the city is a constantly living and moving chessboard um, uh, that kind of has all of these figures on it um, and who you ally with is is up to you. Um, so, so yeah, I'm, I'm trying not to give much away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm trying not to. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's yeah, yeah, but um, like we we've talked about some of the key key factions in the game um uh, quite a bit in terms of um kind of the Silvari family, for example, who own the banks but are uh, kind of headed by someone who is a 
key inventor uh, who's basically a man who's a man ahead of his time um as it were kind of a clockwork pioneer and there is an element there of um someone who is pushing the city forward in progress probably at a rate that it's not ready for um for example so it's someone who has a large amount of genius but it might teeter on the edge of madness yeah. um at times um so so yeah so that's a kind of a a, a snippet um as it were I mean, I'm really looking forward to kind of giving it a play. Um, I think there's one thing that we quite haven't mentioned yet, and it's the it's the Doom Clock. Um, I mean, where did where did the idea for the Doom Clock come from? Just out of interest. So the Doom Clock. Um, how would you explain it to people who might not know about it as well? So so the, so the Doom Clock is a 60 minute clock face um, that kind of sits above um, any game of Shiver that you play. And when you roll your dice pool, if you fail and you roll a strange symbol, um, it adds one minute to the doom clock. So the way that the doom clock works is that when you get to quarter past doom, uh, something bad's going to happen. Once you get 30 minutes in, something worse is going to happen. At quarter two, it's going to get pretty dicey. And uh, midnight, something mildly apocalyptic is <laughs> going to occur. So with that it's it's representing that the more the players uh, roll the more they fail the more they make mistakes um kind of impression situations um the the horror the tension the kind of inceding pressure of whatever's kind of hunting you isn't going to let up so it gives this element that roles matter um that roles are there are, are therefore tense because if you fail a role it has consequence so every role has tension and consequence because of the doom clock um so yeah, so in terms of like like how that plays out is that you can then map events to kind of whatever story or chapter um, that you're kind of making. So like the, the slasher, it, it slashes are ones that I use quite a lot as an example. Um, so like, you know, somebody um, kind of kills a circuit breaker, somebody cuts the, the brake lines on the school bus, so you can't get away. Um, Jerry, the camp counselor, <laughs> turns up with his throat slit in a tree. <laughs> Um, and then at midnight, um, your big hulking slash and a mask turns up and is permanently hunting you and will not leave you alone. Um, it's, it's, it's that kind of vibe. Um, with Gothic, we've taken that a bit further. So the way that I've planned this is less like a feature film. It's more like a large format TV series. So okay. each chapter has its own unique doom clock. However, there are events um, kind of in those stories um, as well as the process of ticking up those doom clocks that create doom tolls on what we're calling the doom calendar. Okay. So the doom calendar is a almost a map. Imagine as it is a macro doom clock in a way <laughs> that is represented uh, by kind of a calendar month. And what that shows is that the more doom you accrue in individual chapters, the more dark deeds you perform or heroic acts you potentially shirk. Um, the city worsens for it. Spire home becomes a darker and more dangerous place to be um, as you choose to not interact with certain things, um, do dark things, um, or just allow doom to wildly accrue. Um, so yes, yeah, so our, our doom calendar has become the, <laughs> if you're playing this as a 10 chapter epic, um, there, is, there is something there that will kind of change the state of the city. So you will actively see it decay and become more dangerous. That's awesome, man. 
yeah, no, uh, <laughs> I just know it's between the, the the depth that you you've got there, the, the storytelling that you've managed to compile into this is is quite amazing. Uh, you oh, mentioned earlier, you. like John Carpenter and and the storytelling that he gives, and and Edgar Allan Poe, and the 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 empathy that you feel for characters like you know like Frankenstein's monsters or Wolfman in the story that you have, and that 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 passion that I can hear from you, the fact that you like. The, the random questions we've thrown yeah. out of you and it's, you know, you've knocked them out of the park is um yeah it's awesome is, is, is amazing um but it, it's that passion that like i can, I can hear like I, I came into this rob was the one that kind of yeah. spearheaded this led this and and i was here for this and I, I you know when you come into interviews and you never know what to expect and you never know what to hear and honestly your passion has just drawn me in the whole episode i just be like oh yeah, yeah yeah this is i definitely want to i want to have a good go at this and yeah. i know anyone who's listening will feel the same way yeah. <laughs> you know just be drawn in by how passionate but anyone who wants to bring their horror like anything they've ever dreamed of living that's a weird thing to say horror <laughs> I, I dream of bringing that to life but uh, we as horror fans kind of do it's you alive, know baby. you know part of us kind of wants to be chased by Ghostface or michael myers or <laughs> yeah. and, that, and that's kind of why i that's why i backed the project and that's yeah. why i was like as soon as i heard it i'm not even sure how i heard about it in all honesty but i think you guys might have just maybe it might have been a sponsored post on Twitter or something like that, but I just saw yeah. it and I thought, I just checked it out and I was like, oh, I'm I'm digging this. And then I emailed saying like, could we do a review or something? Um, and then, I mean, as we explained earlier, but I mean, that's why I backed the project because it is, you know, you can you can tell it, it's not just something that's made by, um, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love D&D and Wizards of the Coast, but it's, a you know, that's a kind of a massive well-known and well-established thing which is probably has thousands and thousands of people working for it um and because this is this is kind of grassroots and this is horror fans making something for horror fans i was like yeah i'm gonna back this you know yeah. um and I, you kind of answered um one of our questions earlier um and that was about whether it was designed more with one shots in mind or whether it was kind of a larger story. Um, I mean, so the D&D campaign I've been doing at the moment, um, I checked the other day and I've been, you know, I've been running it for like five or six months now. Um, and, I, you know, it's, it is like a long campaign. Um, so, you know, I guess this kind of leads on to my next question almost. Um, and that is about, I think it was an update you, you sent out the other day. Um, and I'm not sure if I understand it completely, uh, but you could tell us if not. But that's about the open gaming license. Um, so could you tell us about that and how it affects Shiver and its community? Yeah, so um, our open gaming license and SRD, uh, for those who don't know what that is in kind of the tabletop role-playing kind of game sphere, um, much like D&D and other kind of larger um, kind of games, what it allows you to do is take the core rule set um hack it play around with it create your own monsters create your own stories um uh, create your kind of own, own kind of games that, that kind of use the shiver system um and publish them put them out there um kind of sell them we want people to take this game and make things with it tell the stories that they want to tell um and kind of build a real community about it because what you were saying earlier about kind of like horror fans making a game for horror fans that's exactly it it's the way i see shiver as a game system is 
that there's that, i mean i talk about act structure in the core book um as a, i kind of want people to know how to tell good role-playing stories in particular good role horror role-playing stories and take that slash that mad slasher character they have in their brain and bring it to the table and play it with their friends so they can run away from it or get murdered it's it's um giving people a a avenue a pathway to tell their own stories um and the ogl and uh, srd um is is for that entirely um so you can then make your own stories and then share that with more people which will inspire them to tell and make more stories it's that's for me that's kind of what shiver's all about it's about telling stories a bit like kind of gathering around the campfire like a scout camp and (laughs) toasting marshmallows and trying to scare each other shitless like that's 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 the vibe um uh the the rolling dice um kind of a mechanical element is is fun and there's the game element but for me I, i think this is probably me kind of spouting off as a writer now is that it always comes back to story it always comes back to the characters and those moments that you have um telling those stories whether it is you know you vanquishing a slasher or you getting murdered in a particularly grisly way that's quite fun um it's it's yeah it, it's all about that um so yeah um we have a, a discord community um that's growing um i kind of now we've launched the, o- the ogl and srd i've created a specific channel for it now uh, where we're really encouraging people to uh, kind of get on there discuss your ideas i mean we've already had someone like kind of hacking a fantasy version of um kind of shiver to tell kind of spooky stories in kind of like a low a kind of low tech like fantasy setting nice um so so someone's already fiddling around in the background <laughs> so it's, it's definitely bubbling away um so yeah um honestly kind of check out the uh, the the open gaming license uh, check out shiver and and like yeah make a spooky story that you can play with your friends please do because i i i want to see them i want to play them like it's it's yeah. I, I i some some of the ideas i've seen thrown out already i cannot wait to see them appearing on people's tabletops yeah i mean and that's the uh, that's the thing isn't it? i assumed it had like an element of homebrew to it and people being able to kind of make their own stuff um <laughs> and when when i when i saw it, i was like yeah i can make a really really cool story here um and i was thinking how could i make a you know kind of make my own slasher film and then you know make it a recurring thing where you know we make a sequel to it as a session and that kind of stuff so i kind of love the idea that you know it's creating a community and people can kind of share their stories really yeah no i i love that i know um you know <clears throat> we're you know we're, we've been doing this podcast for nearly two years now yeah and um we 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 started out and just as we start out we have lots of other podcasts that kind of started around the same time and we're all kind of become this little horror community and the passion for the fan base is insane like the how much people's this is people's lives you know what i mean yeah. like you know that D and stuff is people's lives or video game but horror i didn't realize so many people yeah. were just <laughs> mad 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 until we started like at first it was just a little you know we just loved horror films so let's just do yeah. this and then before we knew it there was a big range of all of these people we're connected with and you know it, it's mad and i can't imagine how much they'll be excited to kind of play through these yeah. um and and especially because it's more accessible like you know i think so yeah because a lot of the times when I think the, the main thing that puts people off board games or tabletop games is just how many rules there are, you know, and just having to go oh, absolutely. T- take it turn by turn and think, well, actually, we what have, am I doing now? We have many a friend who can barely, if we try to explain the rules, they'll be like, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, just don't understand. 
you didn't even listen to me did no. you know i don't like if you have to explain more than like two steps they're like what <laughs> so you know it's, it's good to know that you know they'll, they'll find these kind of things much more yeah. accessible i remember a couple of christmases ago uh, my brother came back he's in australia and he brought a um he brought a game i can't remember what it is but it's a card game um and it's kind of like uno but it's i we we didn't play it because basically my brother got it out and was like this is how you play it somebody wasn't was like what i don't get it then somebody was like oh so i do this and then this happens and he was like no and it was just explaining rules after rule after rule so kind of being able to say well actually all you need to do is do this and just roll and you you don't have to do maths or anything like that. It's just telling a story. Um, it streams, streamlines, streamlines the process, it. doesn't it? Yeah, it makes it so much better. Yeah. Um, well, I guess well, uh, as we're kind of wrapping up, I've got as we, a question. You know, we've got, go got a question. Yeah, I've got one more before The one last one. <laughs> um, so kind of tabletop RPGs are kind of famous for roles determining the outcome. Um, so a couple of D&D sessions ago, um, I'm running a horror campaign about, you know, this undead kind of world that people are living in. Um, and I, I had kind of like a quieter session um, where people, you know, went to this small hamlet that had been raided um, just to kind of deal with the, you know, see the consequences of some of their actions um and there was a there was a rat folk that was scavenging um so one of our players who plays a construct um got turned invisible and went to catch him and he got a lasso and he put it around the guy's neck to try and catch him um and then he rolled and he rolled really bad and instead of catching him he ended up actually just killing the rat folk outright Uh, it's pretty funny um which kind of leads to my question you know kind of have you had any feedback from you know um sessions that you've run or people who have played it of any kind of failures or successes that have had terrible or hilarious consequences that's a very good question um one of my favorites um is so we were playing um protocol um i was playing it with a group of friends and it's the sci-fi story from the cursed library yeah um and someone uh, uh, he was playing a um kind of a, imagine a used car salesman but for <laughs> dangerous weapons um, <laughs> and kind of de- he decided to before embarking on the story proper um, before kind of getting off the ship and going down to the alien planet to demonstrate um, his brand of flamethrower that he was trying to uh, kind of... And I told him as he is uh, uh, trying to sell some junk, uh, he had to roll on what I call a malfunction table. Um, and he used it. He was like, I'm going to demonstrate the flamethrower 3000, pulled the trigger, rolled the dice, rolled a strange. Um, the flamethrower proceeds to explode. Um, as it is <laughs> want to do on a malfunction um, and he gets set on fire um, and has to be put out so he um, kind of uh, kind of just after the inciting incident before they even get on the drop ship um, he's already slightly singed and is now without a weapon uh, because he decided to fire it off early <laughs> yeah um, and that's that's definitely been one of my um, favorites from kind of like general testing um in terms of gothic, I'm um, trying to think if there has been um, a kind of particular one. There was one um, that I watched from the um, oh, I'm trying to 
get the name in my head now. But every time I go on my phone, it, it just seems to it just seems to not let me do it. Um, it was from the plus one XP, um, and I think it was when you were playing Mrs. Marble um, really well, and your husband had uh, you know Miss Marble's husband had just kind of died like a week or two prior um and i think one of the players tried to convince you to give them your give them miss marvel's wedding ring <laughs> or try to hit on miss marvel or something like that and it and they clearly failed um and it was just it just made me laugh you know um yeah yeah there's there's definitely been kind of through the play testing of gothic um quite grisly results um we have a a, a player um who's been uh, kind of been playing with us um kind of since we started testing um who is now i think four toes down um <laughs> from from, diff from different incidents oh wow um but it was um trying to like kind of pick up and use an extremely heavy weapon for example and rolling so much strange it's basically lifting it up and falling down on his foot and losing it. So, now, so now his character has a cane like with a knife in it um as as like his weapon because he needs a cane because of, his, uh, of his foot so so um yeah that group is just acquiring um injury after injury the kind of that is debilitating from their failure and i always find that 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 brilliant of because if you actually think about um like these kind of heightened horror stories the amount of damage these characters <laughs> go through oh god yeah, yeah. It's, it's intense um and it's yeah no but um the 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 continue the the basically a loss of a toe or a finger per chapter um in gothic just seems to be something in our main playtest group that just keeps happening <laughs> i love it amazing um, um so to think about you and um what's what's we were just wondering if there's anything coming up or, or what's next for parallel uh, parallel games or are you working on anything new or any different expansions or is there anything upcoming for your company so i have to be careful and it kind of feels <laughs> yeah. a little bit like the old the old marvel thing at the minute of we have a we have a roadmap uh with our okay our kind of titled symbols on uh, for where we're going um, with Shiver. Um, but what I would say is um, keep your eyes out this Halloween as nice. uh, there will be more, more Shiver coming. It is definitely not a, a uh, we got asked when we launched the first Kickstarter, is this going to be a one and done? And we can safely kind of say, absolutely not. We have got um, ideas and kind of plans and a, working on um projects that are going to be for years to come supporting the system so <laughs> keep your eyes peeled i i, I have to be hush because Bar Bar barney will, barney will kick down the door and come, come get me if i yeah. reveal anymore um, but yeah so keep, keep, keep your eyes peeled there is there is more there is more coming um definitely and and for horror fans in particular um i think it will not disappoint Fantastic. Well, around yeah. Halloween, if there's anything upcoming around Halloween, we'd be happy to do something. Yeah, uh, well, to oh, absolutely. Show it off yeah, around Halloween. I think you're um, welcome on the show with the next one, and yeah, yeah we're, we're uh, up for anything. That sounds awesome. I, I was wondering who's holding the gun behind that door. Like, um, <laughs> if you say a single thing, Alfred. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, well, um, I mean, this has been this has been great. Thank, thank yeah. you so much for for coming. And as I said, your passion mm-hmm. for the project is amazing. It's definitely going to draw in people. I, I know. I'm I'm hoping lots of people listening will be looking at. And w- with that in mind, I mean, um, do you want to tell tell the people you know where they can find you, listeners, social media, you know, anything you want to sell? <laughs> yeah, kind of one last drive of the Kickstarter. You got about a week left. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. I think. Yeah, we've got about kind of week, two weeks left um, on the Kickstarter. Uh, we're live um, until the end of March. Um, go check us out. Um, we're unlocking stretch goals like nobody's business. Um, so have a have a look at kind of all the goodies uh, that you can get. Uh, search Shiver Gothic um, and you'll find us. Um, you can also check out the previous campaign that was there on Kickstarter um, and see what we're all about. Um, for social media, you can find us. Uh, just search Shiver RPG on Facebook um, or at Games Parable. Um, is our Twitter, um, where Barney is a Twitter demon and is Twittering um, regularly. Um, and then for, for learning more about the game, um, accessing our free dice roller, uh, you can find us at our website, uh, www.shiverrpg.com. Um, and we've also uh, recently launched a web store um, that you can kind of access through there. So you can buy PDFs of the core game. Um, I think our the elements of global shipping uh, for physical products should be opening up soon because all the distribution stuff, all the boxes have been ticked. Um, so if you're kind of listening to this overseas, um, potentially that that's an avenue um, where you can now um, get the core game um, if you want to kind of give it a bit of a try before um, kind of jumping into Gothic as well. Um, so yeah, uh, www.shiverrpg.com uh, is where you can find out reams of information um, about the game. Um, and grab a free quick start as well um, if you want to try it for free. Yeah, awesome. Um, so, you know, thank you for joining us, Charlie. Um, so we, you know, the the link to the Kickstarter will be in the uh, episode description. I'm trusting Seb to do that because <laughs> you're the one who does it. I will that. do that. It will also be on our Twitter, on our Insta, on our Insta story, and I'm yeah. sure we'll pop something in TikTok once we get our better head around that one yeah um so as always if you've enjoyed the show you can come and let us know what you thought um on twitter instagram and tiktok at cmdh podcast um hit the subscribe button so you get the episode straight away and leave us a lovely review and we will see you next week so don't forget to go and check out shiver gothic on kickstarter goodbye right